Welcome to the Peter Gabbett Podcast, folks. I'm your host, Peter Timothy Hankst, and today is April 27th, 2020, which means I'm on day 135 in a row of 365 promised episodes that brings you unedited, unscripted, improv, news, movies, music, sports, entertainment, and all things except politics. Now, we all talked about the Lando Lakes thing. Yes, we know they had to remove the image of a Native, Ameri- Native American woman holding a batch of their butter because it was so offensive to the world of Native Americans who hate when we put their image on anything or whatever. It's probably, they probably don't even care. I'm sure they didn't give a crap. It was probably some angry white woman who's always mad about everybody offending everybody from little crap that nobody cares about. And so to make a joke out of this whole scenario, somebody superimposed Lando Calrissian on the front of Lando Lake's butter, and I love them for it. Lando Calrissian Lando Lake's butter. I'm in. You know, put Lando's face on anything, and I'll buy it. He is easily the coolest character in all of Star Wars. They need to come out with the Lando, with the Calrissian Chronicles. I'm telling you, a side spinoff about Lando and his life and how he learned how to play poker so well or whatever they call it in that futuristic game they're playing when he loses the Millennium Falcon to Han Solo. I gotta say, anything Lando, I'm in. I'm your Mando. And we've already got Mandalorian. Why not Landolorian? I'm just saying. Either way, Lando Calrissian Lakes Butter. Hilarious. And a great way to make light of a subject where people believe, for some reason, depicting any picture of a Native American anywhere is always racist now. Well, are we just supposed to wipe them off the map? Take them away from historical, you know, culture of any kind? Are they, did they not exist? I don't understand why that would offend anybody. You should be proud to have your image depicted on anything. If they plastered my face anywhere, I would be happy about it. But they wouldn't because it would turn people off from buying it. Now, I gotta say, obviously ESPN has run out of content to talk about with no sports happening. However, they did unveil the second segment, well, I guess third and fourth, because it seems like it comes in hour-long segments, and there was two of them in a row, of the Michael Jordan documentary called The Last Dance. And I gotta say, out of sheer boredom I watched this segment as well as the first one and they're both fantastic I am not a fan of Michael Jordan let's get that out there right away he shattered the dreams of any team I liked throughout my entire childhood of the 90s and I hated him for it I was a fan of the Portland Trailblazers because I lived in Portland he destroyed Clyde the Glide Drexler chances of winning a national championship. 
I was a fan of the Phoenix Suns because I like Charles Barkley. He destroyed Barkley's career chance of ever getting any championship ring. I was a fan of the Houston Rockets when they had Charles Barkley and Hakeem Olajuwon. He destroyed Charles's chances again. Although the Houston Rockets did win the year before they had Charles Barkley when it was when they were led by Hakeem Olajuwon and Michael Jordan was playing baseball at the time. Embarrassingly, he sucked at baseball by the way, but this documentary about Michael Jordan and the Bulls is actually fantastic. It brings to light a lot of information I didn't know. I mean, I was like one when he started playing in in, you know, in the NBA. No, I was negative one. You know, I was negative one when he started playing the NBA. And by the time it was 1988 and he started to be pretty good, you know, I was only a couple years old. So I really didn't know what was happening. I didn't understand the rivalries between Chicago and Detroit and how Rodman played for Detroit first and then went over to the Bulls. And Isaiah Thomas was used to winning championships with Detroit, which is weird to say that the Pistons were used to winning like that. And then all of a sudden a rivalry started between the Lakers and the Bulls because of Magic Johnson versus Michael. You know, these were things I didn't know about because I was young. Later on, I knew they existed, but I didn't care because I was too young to give a damn about sports like that. It was only in the early 90s and mid-90s that I started to really watch basketball and understand and like my own teams and I didn't jump on that Bulls bandwagon. I didn't want to be like Mike. I didn't go out front in, in front of my house with a basketball hoop and think Air Jordan all day, you know, sticking my tongue out and trying to dunk it. No, I was not that guy. I was a Blazers fan to the core. And I hated the Bulls with every bit of my body. But watching this documentary shows me how genuinely good of a team player Michael Jordan was. He was willing to take a, a back seat a little bit to his other teammates, knowing that he could score 30 on average for an entire season every year, but instead deciding to learn how to pass the ball and work a triangle formation and make Scottie Pippen better and Ron Harper better and B.J. Armstrong and all these guys. And I got to give it up to the guy for that because... You know, as good as some of these future players have been, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, these guys are great players. And put them in those 90s teams, I don't know what would have happened. But it does really show you who the absolute best of his generation was, and that is clearly Michael Jordan. No one can deny it. Whether you think he's the best ever doesn't matter. He was the best of his time easily and nobody could touch him back then the torch did get passed however from him to Kobe during one all-star game where I saw Kobe cross him up behind his back run past him and lay the ball in and I knew right then it was time for Kobe to take over but you got to check out this documentary the last dance it's fantastic, and you know what? We're bored. We have no sports to watch anyways, so at least watch that, and it'll bring you back to those times that you may remember watching some of those earlier games. And the, the, you know, the sad thing is, though, about this whole documentary scenario is after it ended, ESPN 
did a play-by-play breakdown of what we just watched. They're like, all right, well, well, we're going to go over uh, some of the things you just saw about that documentary. First off, uh, we're going to talk about this. And I'm like thinking, what is this? What is this? You're, you're recapping a show that recaps old games and players? So it's a recap of a recap. Man, they need some live sports to talk about badly. Thank God for UFC coming up on May 9th. The rules about wearing masks and gloves are getting pretty extreme around where I live. Now, my own father was attempting to buy a newspaper on Sunday because he just is old and he likes reading the paper. Don't ask me why. I happen to get the paper for free. I don't know why. It just gets thrown onto my property every week. And I have never opened it one single time. I read the news like everybody else on a phone or I watch it on TV. But my father attempted to go to 7-Eleven and buy a newspaper. Again, that just sounds weird to even say, but that's what he was doing. And as he began to walk in, the person who was working the front counter screamed at him, Stop! You cannot come in here without a mask! So, you know, my dad, being the complacent individual that he is, immediately gave in to demands and and apologized for what he had done, walked back outside, put on his face mask, and then began to walk into the store. Upon entering the 7-Eleven, he was handed gloves by the clerk and told to put them on before he was allowed to look or touch at anything. So my dad, you know, gave in, of course, like he always does, and put on the gloves and began looking around and went to the area where the newspapers are, walked all the way over, you know, slipped a glove on each hand, had his face mask on, everything was good, and they were all out of newspapers. Don't ask me how that's possible, because, I mean, what do they stock up with, like, maybe ten of them? And what ten people, other than my crazy dad, wanted to buy a newspaper? Who sits there and reads the paper now? At this point, the newspaper should be like an electronic strip that just goes through each article automatically, and then you can toss it in the trash afterwards. But somehow, these newspapers are the same old things where the ink rubs off onto your hands if you're touching it for too long. And it has, like, just page after page of ads in the center of it. And it has the business section, and it has the local, and, you know... Houses that are outrageously overpriced down here that nobody, you know, you only look at it to see how stupid the prices are. You're like, I would never pay that much for that piece of crap. But yes, so after going through all that trouble, my dad couldn't get what he wanted anyways and had to walk out of the store, wasting a face mask and wasting a set of gloves, which I'm sure ended up in a landfill somewhere instead of being recycled. And I just wonder, are we doing good now with all of this? Is this helping anything? Are we just being crazy and wasting plastic and just making people do stupid things and embarrassing ourselves and each other? You know, at this point, if they make me wear a glove and mask to go anywhere, then I'm just not going to go anywhere, which means you're not going to get any of my money, which means another customer will not be paying for something from you, and that's a joke. Like, I went to get water. So here in Southern California, 
We actually have to fill up five-gallon water jugs and live off of that each week because you don't drink the water out of the faucet. It tastes like shit, and it'll make you feel like shit because they have to put so much fluoride in it to kill the germs that it's basically all fluoride. So I went to the, you know, the place where you get the, the water, a water station, and there was a person already there. Well, they didn't want me anywhere near them. They started to freak out when they saw me pulling up. They're, oh my gosh, somebody's going to come up near me. I better get out. So they finished their waters real quick and headed the opposite direction of me. So I walk up, no gloves, no mask, start filling up my water, and a car pulls up behind my car. But they just sit there. And they don't park anywhere. And there's parking spaces next to my car, but they, don't, they won't park there. They will wait until they see me finishing my water, putting the top on, putting it into my car, shutting all my doors, and then they moved out of my way to pull out. And then they were willing to go to the water spot because they were so afraid of me. I mean, this is getting ridiculous. I used to go to the water, you know, the water spots and talk to the people while I was waiting for my water while they were waiting for theirs. I had some good, strong conversations at the water spots. And now everybody's afraid of everyone to the point where it's like they're mad at me for being there before they are. Like, oh, how dare you? I went to go get water and you were already there. And I don't see you wearing a mask or gloves. I'm freaked out. I don't even think I can get water anymore. I'm just going to go home and not have water to drink and die of dehydration because I'm a paranoid freak. Now, folks, it's a sad day in the world of carnivores, which I am a major player in. I sell meat, I smoke meat, I eat meat, I love meat. However, there is an expected massive meat shortage that will soon occur on account of both the Tyson Meat Company having a coronavirus outbreak in some of their pl plants, yes, and they're going to have to shut them down, no more, as well as we already know Smithfield has shut down their meat packing and distributing plants because of the COVID-19 as well, and this Beyond Meat company that sells the fake meat stuff just cracked a deal with China to begin selling a ton of fake meat to them as well, which means... It's only going to become more popular. Their stocks are on the rise. If you buy stocks, folks, put a couple bucks into some Beyond Meat stocks and you will see a major jump in your money. But I don't have any money in Beyond Meat because I don't eat fake meat. If I want the flavor of beef, I eat beef. If I want the flavor of chicken, I eat chicken because I often wonder... What process goes on to create fake chicken and fake beef and fake pork? Like faken, fake bacon? That's disgusting. I'm not going to eat faken. Because I got to say, the process that occurs to make all that stuff anyways is in no way healthier than eating bacon. It might have less cholesterol, less fat, but if that's all you're worried about, then just don't eat anything. Because... When you make a fake beef patty bleed like a real one, what is all that red crap coming out of there? 
What is all of that stuff? I don't know. But it can't possibly be healthier for you than eating one ingredient, which is just beef. When you're taking a whole bunch of other stuff and putting it in labs and testing it and mashing it together so that it looks like beef and bleeds like it, then it can't possibly, in the long run, be good for you compared to just eating the one ingredient of actual beef. So I don't know about this Beyond Meat, Beyond Meat thing. Beyond Meat. Meat beef. All I know is, either way, the stocks are rising, so buy them. And the stocks are dying for actual meat, so sell them. And stock up while you can from your local grocery stores if you're a carnivore like me because they say a major shortage is coming soon and I will be very depressed about that. It's time for the portion of the Peter Gabbett podcast you are certainly clinically addicted to and that is Real Stories brought to you by a pedantic, pontificating, pretentious bastard, a belligerent old fart, a worthless steaming pile of cow dung, figuratively speaking, Peter Timothy Hankst, and barbecues, and that's B-B-Q-U-S-I-O-N. Today, folks, I'm going to tell you the story about when and the final time I had a roommate. Yes, I've had many roommates over the years. I have, believe it or not. Uh, it all started, you know, when I was 18... And I had a three-bedroom apartment, and it was just me and my wife. So it's like, why not? I should have a, I should have a roommate, at the very least. But uh, years later, when I moved to Southern California, I began paying much higher rent at every place I lived. At this point, I'll tell you straight up, I pay $2,400 a month for a shitbox, but it has a 10-foot-deep, in-ground, gigantic pool in the backyard, which is a substantial perk as compared to my neighbors. So I can't, I guess, fully complain at this time. But before this, I was living in a house three doors down from my current house right now. And it's the exact same layout. Every single thing is the same except it's reversed. So the door's on the left side here now. The door was on the right side then. It's, it's still there. I walk by it every day. It's a piece of crap, just like the one I live in. But it does not have a pool in its backyard. And it was substantially cheaper, I must say. Well, this was six or seven years ago. And rent has gone up. Like, I mean, it has skyrocketed out here. Back then, I was paying, I think, 1500 bucks a month for the same exact house on the same street, three doors down. And now I'm paying almost a thousand more. And I'm supposedly getting a good deal here. There's houses on my street that are going for three thousand a month and they don't have a pool. This is nuts. So back then I was paying fifteen and I needed a roommate. I was like, you know what, I can't afford this fifteen hundred a month. At the time I worked as a bartender at Red Robin in a shopping mall, which meant I got a lot of youngsters in there that didn't tip, and it was right by the border, so as you can tell, the clientele just wasn't very, you know, money-having folks that wanted to give me any of their money. So with that being said, I made about 80 bucks a shift, even though I would sell about 900 to to 1000 So I would make less than 10% in tips every day. It was garbage. And I was a server at my other job, 
which I later became head bartender of and made tons of money. But this was during the time when I was just a server there. It was called Fox Sports San Diego Grill. And I would I was new. So I was like the last in, first out server. I would work for two or three hours, make 40 or 50 bucks and go home. So between those two jobs, I was not making enough to live in this $1,500 house with all the amenities I needed to pay for and paying for a car and insurance and all these things. So I figured, man, I got to find myself a roommate, but I don't want to live with somebody down here I don't know. I had, you know, I'd only lived in SoCal for a couple years, and I really didn't trust anybody yet. I hadn't really met any good friends at that point, and, you know, I just, I wanted somebody who I knew from Oregon to move down here and live with me. Now, sure enough, the chance arose when I was speaking to my old pal, Josh Opperman, who used to live in Oregon. I had hung out with him all the time back then. We were great friends. And he moved to the Midwest with his girlfriend before I even moved to Southern California. We all said our goodbyes. He had a goodbye party. It was sad. He moved out there. She treated him like dirt. He immediately got dumped. And he was stuck out there. He didn't want to live there anymore. He's like, why am I here? So after talking to him about this on a couple phone conversations we had... It was decided that he would move in with me in SoCal so he could see what it was like to live in San Diego. He'd never lived here before. He'd lived many other places, mostly the Midwest and the Pacific Northwest, but he had never lived in Cali. So I was like, hey, here's the deal. All you have to do is pay one third of the rent itself. Now, I lived with my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife. She paid 500. I paid 500. I wanted him to pay 500 Me and her shared a room, and Josh got his own giant room. Me and her shared the small bathroom. He got his own giant bathroom. We paid for the gas, electricity, cable, internet, everything. I'm talking trash pickup, water, all that. We paid. We had already paid the deposit for the place. You know, we had already gotten in good standing with the landlord. Everything was set up for this guy to simply pay 500 a month, and that was it. And you got to figure, if you get a job, even at minimum wage, and you work 40 hours a week, you'll easily have that 500 bucks a month with an extra 500 if not 1000 to spare. So we figured, no worries, you know, I'll cook fat meals every night, We'll always have something to eat. He won't go hungry, whatever. But, you know, in fact, he was actually, uh, he had just got out of culinary school. So he believed himself to be a fantastic chef, which he was not. He was terrible. He would make all kinds of weird stuff that was garbage. And I am, at, to this day, I'm by far a better cook than him. And I would not call him a chef. He is a cook and a terrible one at that. But either way, he got himself a job right off the bat. Good deal. Started paying his rent. You know, I did have to hassle him for it. It was always a few days late, whatever. But it was because he would pay his student loans before he would pay rent. And I would often wonder, why would you not pay for the place you're living in before you pay a bill where they're not going to do anything to you? There's nothing they can do if you don't pay them. You just pay them later. But if there is something that will happen to you if you don't pay rent, you won't have a place to live. But he always paid his student loans first, but that was his only bills. Student loans, 
cell phone, and rent. I was always the last priority for some reason. He just expected it would be fine and I would cover it. He was always behind. So finally, I gave him an ultimatum. I was like, hey man, we got to figure out this rent thing and get it, get it to me on time because now I'm forced to be late on my other bills because I expect you to have the money for rent each month and when you don't, I have to use my other money to cover your portion. And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, totally makes sense. We'll work it out. So we had a big meeting, you know, a house meeting, all three of us. We sat down, we discussed what he owed and how he would pay it and when. And he wrote down a list of, of things and how long it had been and what day he should pay. And he wrote an agreement with us that he owed me 250 bucks, which was half of the rent from the month he hadn't paid. And then he gave me 250 that day because his rent was 500 so he was like, here's half of it. I now owe you 250 It's written down on this paper. We all agree I owe you 250 bucks." And I'm like, yes, yes, we all agree that. A week later, when I approach him to get that 250 because I knew he'd gotten paid, and I was like, hey, man, I really need that 250 bucks," He comes out of nowhere and says, oh, it's cool. I already paid you an extra 250 for the next month coming up, which means... I'm moving out because I, I'm sick of you hassling me and you owe me 250 for half a month's rent or I prepaid it and I'm still good for two weeks. And I'm thinking, what what just happened? I have no idea what just happened. This is crazy. I, I have no clue what you're talking about. You owe me 250 bucks for last month's rent and if you want to stay here for two more weeks... That'll be another 250 which is half of a month and half of your rent. And he, he says, no, 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 no. I prepaid you 250 for the next two weeks, and then I'm going to move out in the middle of the month. And that's the only notice I'm giving you. And I'm, I'm like, what the hell is going on here? This guy is psycho. I cannot believe what he's even saying. So I tell my then-girlfriend, I'm like, hey, Ashley, listen to this. This fool thinks... That he doesn't owe us 250 and instead he's prepaid 250 for another half month's rent and then he's leaving. And she agreed with me that that was complete BS. We couldn't believe it, right? So instead of that, that day I told him, pack up your shit and get the hell out and you won't have to pay me the 250 you owe me. And he gets all crazy. He's like, oh man, don't make me you know, throw bows at you, you know, I'll come at you, and he starts to threaten me, and I'm like, dude, try something, I will kill you, pack your shit up, and get out now, this was the last time I ever had a roommate, for this reason, so then he thinks, he says, well, where, where do I go, I don't know where to go, and I'm like, I don't know where you're going, but if you, if you actually think you prepaid me, and don't owe me money, then I'm gonna have to insist that you get the hell out, because every day that you stay here is another day that you'll owe me more. And finally, he ends up calling one of his co-workers from his job. He wasn't even here that long. So I don't know how he found somebody that was willing to take him in when he was completely irresponsible and white trash. His room was so disgusting, I would make him clean it. I would force him to sweep his floors because I have a dog at that time. And my dog wouldn't even go in his room. But there would be so much dog hair collected into his room because of him never cleaning it that you couldn't take a step into his room without your foot being covered in hair. 
Now, I meticulously swept and vacuumed my house every other day because of my dog's hair. I had to force Josh to sweep his room. And how did he sweep? He swept all the crap out of his room, swept all that crap up the hallway into our living room, and then swept that out the back door of our house into a flower bed where there were succulents growing. And I'm thinking, have you never swept in your life? You don't even know how to sweep? You're like a 30-year-old man who doesn't know how to sweep into a pile, put it into the dustpan, and then pour it in a garbage can. You swept your fill through the house, filled the air with dust, and then blasted it onto a, a bunch of flowers in the backyard. What a psychopath. This guy was so messed up. I finally, I couldn't take it. I was like, get your crap out today. You will get a U-Haul truck and I will see it out there tomorrow and your stuff will be being packed in it and that is it. Sure enough, I forced him to do that. He packed all his stuff except he couldn't fit a ping pong table that he thought it would be okay to just leave it there. He's like, no, no, no. You know what? It's cool. You can have it. Well, I don't want a ping pong table. Why the hell would I want that? I'm not an idiot or a 50-year-old retired guy. I'm not a college kid who wants to play beer pong. That would end up being my responsibility to move to all my new houses that I knew I would have because I hated that house and I couldn't wait to get out of it. So I told him, hell no. You will figure it out and get that shit off the property too or I'll force you to pay for that as well. And so sure enough, he found a guy who took it from him. And came and picked it up. But this whole story is just to teach people a lesson. It's not a great choice to live with your friends. You won't be friends afterward. To this day, I have never spoken to that guy again. And I got to admit, I feel bad how things turned out. Because I didn't really actually need that 250 bucks. But it was principles, you know. It was the fact that he never paid me on time. And I always had to force the money out of him. And it was awkward. And I don't like asking my friends for the money they owe me when they know they owe me and they try to deny me. And they pay all their measly other bills first that don't mean anything. And their rent is like their last priority because they just think I'll cover them. That's what sucks about having friends as roommates. They will take advantage of you. 100%. This dude got a free ride out to freaking SoCal got to live in paradise for pennies on the dollar and still couldn't afford that and just disgraced his friendship with me. And lesson to be learned here is what I just said. Do not have roommates that are your friends. If you have a roommate that's not your friend and they don't pay you, great. Tell them to get the hell out and you'll never see him again. You didn't lose a friend. But I don't want to lose my friends because of living with them. To this day, I miss Josh. I loved that guy. If I if he wanted to be friends with me again, I totally would. If he doesn't, I understand. I'm I can be hard to be friends with. I can really be hard to live with. But this guy, man, I miss him. If you're out there somewhere, Josh, hey man, I'm my bad. I'm sorry how things went down. It's been years. I'd love to see you and talk to you again. But until then, have a wonderful life 
And folks, thank you for listening to the Peter Gabbett Podcast today. The real story today was extremely long. I hope you stuck with me for the whole thing. I hope you stay at home and stay healthy and stay safe. And I will talk to you tomorrow. Due to the times, folks, I thought it appropriate to play a song that reminds us of how empty the streets, the beach, and everything is at this time in hopes that we will get back to the times when the boys of summer could come out and play. And I'm one of them. Here's Don Henry Henley with Boys of Summer. Show you what